This podcast edition of Other Side of Texas is brought to you by our friends at Flint Boot and Hat, a West Texas original. You want a great hat or you want to make your boots great again, go see them at 3035 34th Street or Flint and 34th Street in Lubbock or see more at flinthat.com. I ran a cold front when I gave my truck the rent. Barreling down I-35 with one thought on my mind Forget the race, find an open space, be that city Well, hey there, here we are again on the other side of Texas. I'm your host, Jay West, Texas Leeson. Thank you for telling your friends about this program. We do it, and we come with you unabashed West Texicanism. I didn't say Republicanism. I didn't say Democratism. I said West Texicanism. We focus on the news, views, and issues that matter in the region and through a concern for this region. It is our responsibility to steward, so we talk about things in that fashion, and yes, we can. We are West Texicans. Uh, <laughs> broadcasting from racer car wash love me some racer car wash took some vehicles through there yesterday hand them the keys they run it through make some phone calls i've had to turn my twitter notifications off uh, so every once in a while i'll go in there and check that out what's been going on since i've been gone but that's what i was doing there at racer car wash on 50th street in lubbock voted lubbock's best washer around for five years running Stop into one of five convenient locations in the Hub City for the best wash around, guaranteed. It's racerwash.com. Big program for you, as always. We do what we can here. Out of the place where Buddy Holly became famous. Ross Ramsey's going to be coming up. He's the executive editor. Many of you have read... He's the executive editor of the Texas Tribune. Many of you have read his piece on the ouster of Bob Duncan, and it will be the first time that Ross has been on this program since he wrote that piece. Now, I went to seminary, and I've done exegesis, and I studied a lot of scripture, and I study the mechanics of the particular authors. But I've also learned to do that in an inductive style with what I read whenever I sit down and really want to dig into an issue or into a piece. And that to say, I've read a lot of Ross Ramsey. And Ross Ramsey, by and large, is even kill and kind of keeps in the middle of the dirt road, not too close to either bar ditch. But i tell you what, in that Duncan piece, I sensed some, some Ramsey ire. I'm going to ask him about that whenever he comes up here in about 10 minutes from now. Also want to touch base on a couple of issues going on. We are going to play a game of name, which region did it. We've gone through all these public records. Supposed to put up my piece this afternoon. We got hamstrung because we got some new information. Trying to figure out what to do with that. Somebody said, uh, well, they got to you. They, listen, they've been trying trying to get to me. And by the way, you regents, look, I don't want to have an off record. I do not. So just stop it. 
I don't want an off record. You want to come forward and you want to speak up, put your name on it, and let's do it. I know that, I, I mean, I know that there are at least nine new listeners this program. And you guys, if you want to talk, then let's talk. But I don't want background stuff. Uh, and I mean this with all due respect, not nine of you, but five of you. I don't want it on background. You need to put your name on it. I'm not. If that's news that needs to break, then it needs to break from you, because to go with a to go with a source that's the authority in this thing, I, I can get round and about to that, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, you you guys need to put your name on it. And you've heard over this past week, Mark McDougal, former mayor, current mayor, Dan Pope. And then yesterday, that audio is up there at OtherSideOfTexas.com, up on our podcast, Other Side of Texas, uh, Jody Arrington, Congressman Jody Arrington, speaking to the deafening silence from the Texas Tech Board of Regents. But we are going to play a game of which region did it, and I think that you're probably going to enjoy it. Coming up at the last segment of the program. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> right on cue. Okay, so this is where I want to kick off today. Uh, we have um, we had the governor in town last night, and it might have been the coldest hundred degree day that uh, the governor's ever seen. Whenever we got to love it, big and big turnout yesterday at the Texas Tech football kickoff luncheon, loaded up, and then you see pictures of the governor's event last night. And I don't know. I mean, maybe there were 50 people there. I was told early on in the day they are having a hard time getting enough people around the dinner table and at the private dinner. And I'd be interested to see. I've been busy all day. Hadn't followed up with, with how that went. But whenever you drive into Lubbock, you see some uh, billboards that say the friendliest city in America. And I don't know what Greg Abbott took away yesterday. And I'll... Pick this up from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Texas Governor Greg Abbott vocalized support for Texas Tech's proposed School of Veterinary Medicine and praised outgoing Chancellor Robert Duncan Wednesday night ahead of a campaign fundraiser in Lubbock. Abbott, in brief remarks to the media, at the invitation-only fundraiser dinner on the Texas Tech campus, said he wanted to address a couple of points after, quote, some issues that have arisen in recent weeks, emphasizing his support for outgoing Chancellor and Interim Chancellor Ted Mitchell and reaffirming continued backing of the Amarillo Vet School Project. Somewhere, John Sharp is giggling. Quote, I have great respect and admiration for a longtime friend of mine, and that is Robert Duncan, Abbott said. I've known him probably for more than 20 years, and I want to thank him for his service, uh, that he, the service, his service to Texas Tech University system, as well as his service to the state of Texas. Abbott went on to emphasize how important he views Texas Tech 
to the state's success. Texas Tech plays a vital role for the future of Texas. Da, 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 da. And then down to it, Governor was asked about his support for the veterinary school at Tech. In uh, the school that they're pursuing in Amarillo, and he reminded reporters that he signed the bill last legislative session that appropriated funds for the school. Quote, yes, I supported the vet school, and I'll continue to support whatever the mission of Texas Tech University system, whatever the mission is of Texas Tech University system. So let me get into this. I, like I said, I postponed a piece, but I want to read for you a little snippet. I, I intro with what's happened, why the five brought up the five, and by that I mean why the five regions brought up the five minutes in which Chancellor Duncan went from a storied. Uh, West Texas politician and chancellor to all of a sudden retired. But to understand that story, I laid it out there in part one, but I wanted to give a brief overview in part two and put some teeth to it because this is what Abbott, I should have gone last. People ask me, why didn't you go last night? It's because I got a great family and above average dinner. That's why. But I should have gone just to ask the question. And the question is, I'll read for you these couple of paragraphs here, and then I'll answer, or I'll ask the question that should have been asked. The story of the five minutes and the five regents begins in late 2016. It was then that Governor Greg Abbott's chief of staff, Dan- <coughs> excuse me, Daniel Hodge, a very well-connected Aggie, whose most significant connection is with Texas A&M Chancellor John Sharp, imposed a threat upon the Texas border regions according to high-level sources. The threat was this. Choose choose between a dental school and a vet school, one or the other, but not both, the governor's man instructed. It was hardly a choice. The El Paso-based dental school had millions of dollars worth of commitments at that time. The vet school proposal was mostly funded by hope to drive the point lest there be any confusion that a choice wasn't actually being offered. Hodge, again according to sources, let regents up for reappointment, one of which being John Steinmetz, know that the part of consideration that part of the consideration for reappointment would be how helpful they were in getting Duncan to hit the brakes on the vet school. Shortly thereafter, the regents rendered a consensus vote to put the vet school on pause. Now, I have to go back and check if that was a vote or that was a statement, but it was consensus either way. The adjective more important than the noun. Had I been there, the question would have been, Can you confirm that Daniel Hodge spoke on your behalf to the Texas Tech Board? So now you're for the vet school. Now you're for, uh, you're going to work for any mission that the Texas Tech University system has. But will you confirm at this time that it was in late 2016 when all this acrimony began on the board 
Chairman Rick Francis wondering, will he get his dental school and will the vet school knock him out of contention? There in El Paso, Rick Francis, known in El Paso as Mr. El Paso. Do you have any knowledge of Daniel Hodge and his activities and where all this began? Because it was after the appropriation, July 2017, beginning to work on a new budget that Francis went to work, Steinmetz helped, and by work I mean putting their boot on the throat of Bob Duncan, and I don't, I don't know what the governor's response would have been, but uh, should have certainly, uh, I'd, I'd like to hear him pressed on that. But I will say this, the uh, governor and I, I don't know, he's put me in his campaign ads, he's taken snippets of this program and put them in an ad, and that's okay. I mean, I wouldn't ever ask permission, but okay. It was me saying that Lupe Valdez is a disaster, which I still believe. Um, but I think that my falling out with the governor came in quite inadvertently. I wrote a column in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, and it got picked up in the New York Times. And it said, um, it was about where is the governor? And that That's what the problem was at the time. This a couple of years ago, and they quoted this. Weeks later, the in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, Jay Leeson, a columnist and talk radio host, quoted an unnamed Republican lawmaker who said the state was being run, quote, by Governor Hodge in reference to Mr. Abbott's chief of staff. Perhaps Abbott had knowledge, perhaps he didn't, but the whole point is all fingers point back to John Sharp and What's curious about all this is that you know who is more delineable, uh, delineable, is that a word? Who you can delineate better in all this than Sharp is Rick Perry. We're going to do that in part two. But until then, uh, that post is going to polish that up tonight and get it up for you. Go to a break and get our friend Ross Ramsey right here on the other side of Texas. Sick right where you are about 90 seconds from now. Molded out of red clay and Baked in the West Texas sun to perfection is the other side of Texas with Jay Leeson. Oh, well, the little things you say and do make me want to be with you. Rain on its crazy feeling and I know it's got me feeling when you say I love you. Yeah, man, raving on right here. The other side of Texas, sponsored by the law firm of Mullen, Horton, Brown, LLP, with offices in Lubbock, Amarillo, and Dallas, employing creative legal solutions to address your business needs in the areas of commercial litigation, banking, financial restructuring, employment law, and estate planning. Oh, wait, that's not, no, no. No, no, we don't want that right now. <laughs> you guys are trying to gig me. Uh, go out. Uh, he is the executive editor of the Texas Tribune. He is Ross Ramsey, not on a Wednesday, but on a Thursday. Ross Ramsey, how are you? I feel so out of place. Yeah. Out of time or something. It's been a long week, Ross. Um <laughs> A double booked. I appreciate your graciousness on a Thursday. And actually, today I was uh, I was talking to somebody about what day it was, and I was thinking that you were coming on the show, 
And they were like, Jay, this isn't Wednesday. This is Thursday. And I was like, okay. So that just speaks to what kind of marker you are with me on a weekly basis. Ross, in the monologue, I opened up and I said, look, I've, uh, I've been to seminary. I know some, I know some Greek. And I know some Hebrew, and I've learned some exegesis, and I've learned to study particular authors, and uh, I feel like over time I've studied you. And I want to go to your piece that you put out last Friday, and it was on Bob Duncan's ouster, and I, just in the first line, maybe not, maybe nice guys do finish last. As somebody who's read a lot of your work, Ross, I know that you stay in the middle and try to be even kill and like give a, an objective analysis of what's going on. But even then, I read a hint of indignation in that piece. Is that right? Well, I think you've got to explain why you, you know, if you're running a public institution, you have to explain why you're running it the way you're running it. And, the, you know, the way the... Uh, Duncan Ouster came down at the at Texas Tech still hadn't been fully explained. Um, you know, uh, the chairman of the Board of Regents came out the other day, Rick Francis, and said, you know, there were some, uh, you know, money moved around and this, you know, budget was increasing. He was in specific about what the money was for. Um, they still haven't really said what was Duncan doing that clearly got him sideways with the Regents and. Why this happened so quickly, so precipitously, without any foreshadowing, and you know what's going on over there. Um, and at the same time, you know I've um, covered Duncan along with a lot of these people for a long, long time, and he's always been one of the stand-up guys in state government. And um, you know, I just think it demands an explanation. Mm-hmm. It may be that the explanation is perfectly understandable, but they haven't really made it yet. How, uh, let's get some perspective. Does this stuff usually happen in executive session whenever a chancellor is taken down? Sure. Okay, so it happens in executive, but usually there's a better, is there better coordination between the outgoing chancellor and the regents than what we've gotten in Lubbock? Like, compare this to other places off the top of your head. Well, not not necessarily coordination. I mean, you know, you usually have, you know, I said it in this piece, I mean, you usually have some idea that there's a problem before you have a resolution to the problem, whether that's a resignation or a firing or, you know, whatever. Um, and, you know, a great example of this is football coaches. You know, they come in, they do their stuff, they're the hero when they get there you watch them for a few years and by the time a coach has run off you usually know what the argument was about and you know it was wins and losses or it was something else going on but you've got an explanation where whether or not you agree with it you know what's going on um this one you know still needs a lot of explanation and i think that's to the reasons to explain you read rick francis's piece that he put up uh monday we're talking on a Thursday. You didn't gather much from that? Well, I think they left a lot on the ground. I just, you know, the, he did say that, you know, some of the budget numbers had been going up and that Duncan asked for more money. And, you know, the regents have the power to say, no, no more money. But why did that come to, instead of a conversation about budgets, to a firing? And what was the money for? And what was he trying to do? And, you know, there's a million questions still unanswered. Yeah. Like, fire, maybe fire would cause? Or just fire. Well, you know, we don't. You know, 
That's a good question. That's one of them. I mean, it's just, so he's on, and I know that he's actively briefing, because he's Bob Duncan, he's actively briefing Ted Mitchell over this, the end of this week and the end of next. It's not like he's MIA. He's, He's in there helping. But, I mean, if you had something on him, then fire him with cause on the spot. If not, then give an explanation as to why we're doing what we're doing. So that's just yeah. I I would just I'm in you know, um, I mean it's it's clearly their power and their job to do all of this stuff, but it's a public institution and it ought to be a public uh, set of reasons. Yeah. So, uh, if I want to ask you this, I just think that if I'm in Austin or I'm in College Station right now, uh-huh. I'm sitting around with some doers and a cigar in my mouth and really yucking it up because tech was tech had great leadership was on and mayor dan pope was on the show yesterday and he was talking was it yesterday or they, again it's all blurred but he was on and he was talking about all the lieutenants that duncan had lined up from the sports and athletics departments to across the board and what they were doing i just think if i'm ut or a&m right now i'm thinking wow they just got taken down a couple of pegs. Yeah, I don't know if I, you know, I, I don't know how much joy they feel when somebody in their own business, you know, goes through something like this. Um, you know, there's probably some element of, you know, you're watching a competitor and there may be some happiness in that, but there's probably also a little bit of there, but for the grace of God, go I. <laughs> I like the reference. Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Tribune. So there are some petitions going around, a change.org petition demanding that Greg Abbott uh, fire or get rid of some regents at Texas Tech. I'm not asking you to take a position on this. Good, because uh, I'm not going to. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I even kill middle of the dirt road. I understand. But for people who need to understand, you know this better than most anyone, What what is the process for removing a regent in the state of Texas? You know, it's really hard. This is a weak governor state. And by that, you know, there's a, you know, if you're in law school or something, it's not a really strong unitary executive. A governor doesn't have full control. A governor of Texas doesn't have full control of the executive branch. And one example of that is you can appoint these regents as you know, the governors do. They're approved then by the Senate, the advise and consent process, but you can't walk out and just fire them. You can't fire the heads of agencies that you appointed and, and things like that. The governor doesn't have that power. In the case of regents, you have to impeach them if you want to get rid of them. And we have a recent case of someone trying to do this. It didn't happen uh, when it ultimately came to it, but uh, the University of Texas had a regent that was... Um, who was questioning the way the uh, main campus in particular was run, University of Texas at Austin. His name was Wallace Hall. He's from Dallas, Texas. And he got into a political vice that, you know, he stayed in for about 18 months. It was a big fight. Uh, he held his ground pretty good. And there was legislation filed in the Texas House by the then Appropriations Chairman Jim Pitts to impeach Wallace Hall. And it ended up not happening, but that tells you how the process works. If you want to get rid of one of these guys, you have to go to the legislature and say, um, you know, have an impeachment trial, and, and, you know, the House basically impeaches, and then the Senate either, you know, accepts that or doesn't. And 
you know, in the Hall case, you know, nothing came of it, but it's a long, drawn-out process. It's hard to do, and it's meant to be that way so that the regents will have some independence from the people who appoint them. So is that on the Senate side, or how, does it have to be in session? Like, where do these things begin? Well, you have to have the legislature around. You could do it in a special session if you were so inclined, but um, the legislature has to be around. And, you know, the unless the governor, unless they come back for a special session, uh, this legislature is not going to be around until the second Tuesday of January. Hmm. Ross Ramsey, as we tarry on, let's uh, let's switch gears and pivot towards the Senate race. A lot of people watching Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz. Numbers show that, and I hear this a lot, people say, well, if that poll says he's within four, Beto O'Rourke, then really he's 14 away. Um, what do you make of the numbers right now? Is he really within striking distance of Ted Cruz? You know, we've we've had several polls now, um, more than half a dozen that have this race within single digits. We're in the summer before an election, and you know, you're asking people how they would vote today in a race that they really haven't probably made up their minds about, and in a lot of cases haven't decided whether they're actual voters or not. It's hard to separate people who are eligible to vote from people who are actually gonna vote this far in front of an election it's the you know you'll see a poll that says registered voters or a poll that says likely voters so there are a lot of things that change between now and election day i think all the all the you know if you're at the cruise campaign all the yellow warning lights are going off and you're paying attention to this and he has been for you know for months i mean cruise has been nobody's going to cruise going to truthfully accuse ted cruz of going to sleep on this race because O'Rourke's running a pretty good grassroots campaign. He's getting a lot of attention. He's raising a lot of money. He's sort of the you know darling of the Democrats right now, both in Texas and nationally. And you know there's kind of a you know there's kind of a swoon going on. And part of that's because Ted Cruz ran for president, and he found a bunch of people who like him a lot, and he found a bunch of people who don't like him a lot. And so <laughs> he raises as a national figure this Texas Senate race to a higher level more people know who he is there's a higher degree of celebrity etc 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 and then and then you get a character and we, we've seen this from time to time in politics in texas and elsewhere where you get a character who at least for the moment appears to be sort of like you know um mr smith goes to washington type you know a little guy fighting against the big machine and you know beto o'rourke has done a pretty good job of that we're just now entering the really really hard, serious part of the campaign season for both of these candidates and for candidates up and down the ballot. After Labor Day, they're going to be knocking on doors, trying to get voters motivated, trying to do what they can to get the other side's voters unmotivated, advertising a lot, um, presumably debating some, and, you know, the numbers in this race are going to change. But I think everything right now, and I think, you know, you would hear this if you were talking to the Cruz campaign or to the O'Rourke campaign, everything right now points to a Senate race is going to be the most competitive race probably on the Texas statewide ballot. Wow. You think so? I do. Even Collier and Patrick? I think this is going to be, this is the marquee race. So, And I think some of those races down ballot, you know, whether it's the, you know, the lieutenant governor's race or the governor's race or any of those are going to depend in some measure on what happens at the top of the ticket. This is the last election unless they change the law again, this is the last big election where we're going to have straight ticket voting. 
where you can just go in and vote for all of the Republicans or all of the Democrats. Mm -hmm. And if the top race is a blowout, you know, that's good for the party that's blowing out the other party because, you know, the, the majority party's voters come in and pull that lever and walk out, and, you know, that's the day. If it's a closer race and voters are paying more attention, then you get, you know, different kind of coattail effects and all kinds of things happening downstream. So, you know, the Democrats downstream are hoping O'Rourke does really well and Cruz does poorly. If they're way downstream, they're hoping that, you know, O'Rourke does really well and and well enough to offset whatever Greg Abbott does and what looks like, you know, probably, you know, I mean, that doesn't look like a very competitive governor's race right now. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, this stated. Is, I, I think this is the marquee race. Okay, so uh, Ross Ramsey, executive editor at Ross Ramsey on Twitter every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday drops an analysis piece there at Texas Tribune. Got to do the got to do the uh, Tribcast intro this week. I mean, at first it's the Tribcast intro, and next I'll be like uh, on some sort of panel at uh, Tribfest. I feel like I'm on my way now, Ross. Yeah, you'll have to talk to the guy in the corner office. Okay, well. I mean, he's, it was his idea, so maybe I will approach him by the Ben O'Rourke was on this program a couple of months ago, maybe three months. I can't, I can't remember when. Sitting right across from him, I said, Ben O'Rourke, you, in order to win, have got to appeal to Trump voters. You cannot win in Texas with white liberals who hate Trump and then coalitions therewith. You've got to appeal to Trump voters. I don't understand Beto O'Rourke, politically, I don't understand him going out on limbs like he's gone out on. We're about to kick off the NFL season here in a couple of weeks, and he's essentially standing with those who are kneeling. What do you make of that? Well, I think he's trying to reframe this. You know, the people that are kneeling have said all along that they're kneeling not because they hate the anthem or the country, but because they have a feeling about the way you know, about racial relations and, and racial relations with police in particular. And, you know, he's, you know, I think he would say he's trying to turn this back to that argument and not the flag argument. Um, Ted Cruz clearly wants to have the flag argument. And in fact, Cruz is the one who brought this up in the first place, which is why O'Rourke had kind of a thought out um, answer that's getting so much attention to this. Um, I think it's one of those deals where it, you know, how you feel about what he's doing depends on what you said, and it sort of goes to the first part of your question. If you're trying to build a coalition that crosses some of our tribal lines right now in politics, you know, this is this is a tough issue to cross the lines on for either side. It would be hard for you know either one of them to say something that was going to attract the other guy's voters. Hmm. Yeah, it's just I. I'll, I'll save that for another segment, but uh, for now, uh, what are you looking at, Ross Ramsey, coming up this week, TexasTribune.org? You know, I think we're watching that race in particular. Uh, we're watching, um, we're continuing to watch the Texas-Mexico border and the family separations and putting these back together and, you know, these guys trying to get a coherent, consistent immigration policy in place. There's a lot of stories still there to write, and... Um, there's been a lot of news out of Washington. We're watching that. Yeah, just a little bit. Just but a little we, bit. We focus on the news, views, and issues of the other side of Texas, so we kind of curtail that. But always good to have your perspective here, Ross Ramsey. Thank you so much. Uh, every always week, a pleasure, sir. Usually, usually on Wednesdays, but this week on Thursday, Ross Ramsey. 
Uh, have a good rest of the week, buddy. We'll see you. All right. Uh, that Ross Ramsey. You find this audio again up on our Apple iTunes. If you hadn't read that piece about Duncan, I can't remember what the name of it was. Just Google Robert Duncan uh, Ross Ramsey, a piece that is well worth your time. And, uh, yeah, goodness. I, I think that he was really been out of shape in that one. He, he kind of underplayed it there, but I think he was out of shape. Uh, we're going to get in shape here on the program. Little Hank Williams Jr. carrying you out on the bumper. Get back in. Hey, Rager Gate coming up right here on the other side of Texas. Hey, uh, this segment of the other side of Texas brought to you by Title One, Lubbock's digital real estate and title escrow company. Title One committed to providing you with the highest level of communication and service from the time the contract opens until it closes. See how Title One can serve your realty, consumer, and lending needs at TitleOne.com. Love those guys there. TitleOne.com. Thanks for being sponsors of the program. Uh, get into what so many of you want to hear about. It's just all quiet on this front. News coming out slowly. And I just, it comes in Russia. This is the deal with, with Ragergate is that it just comes in just absolute you know it's a it's a, it's a constant drought in texas until it floods all of texas and the same thing is true with Ragergate. but want to get into some Ragergate now the newest here everything lubbock an investment company and a real estate company filed a motion Thursday. Hey, by the way, on Monday, uh, Lamisa Mayor Josh Stevens, uh, they've just essentially lost a big employer, one of their biggest employers in Lamisa. Going to come on and talk about how they deal with that. Uh, they're in a, in a rural community what it's been like and how it's affected that community going to be a really interesting conversation uh on monday with mayor stevens there in la mesa an investment company and a real estate company filed a motion thursday morning in bankruptcy court to compel rager dykes to accept or reject two leases in southwest lubbock a list of Rager Dykes companies filed for bankruptcy in August 1. Okay, we got that. RD companies in bankruptcy have been given permission to pay pressing expenses such as employee salaries. However, Rager Dykes was not given permission to pay rent during an August 16 court hearing. The motion Thursday morning. Uh, by 82nd Street Investments, LLC, and Lubbock Windmill Real Estate, LLC, said Rager Dykes leased two properties in the 6500 block of 82nd Street in the Hub City. Rent for those properties is, quote, in the amounts of $20,000 and $35,000, respectively, per month. The motion said... 
Quote, on or shortly after this case was filed, representatives of Rager Dykes represented to James Burns, managing member of Lessors, that the rent then due for August 18 would be paid, though having represented that Lessors' checks were in the mail, they in fact were not. They weren't. They weren't there. They weren't in the mail. And how many times are we going to hear this story in the days to come uh, about where the checks were? We've already heard about kiting, check kiting. And at some point, I just wonder why nobody said, you know, you're just going to wire me your money. We're going to do an automatic pay, draft pay. What do you got? Thanks. Thanks for that. The motion uh, said that a promise was made that the payment of rent would be authorized by the bankruptcy court. That did not happen. Where do you live? 82nd, 82nd Street and Windmill said they are not borrowing. Stop it. Said they are now borrowing money to meet obligations instead of relying on rent from Rager Dykes. Um, 82nd street and windmill both llc's pray for an order compelling this is a quote regular dykes to either immediately cure any and all defaults and accept the leases herein described or reject said leases in that in order that the two llc's release the property the motion said in other words they're asking regular dykes to pay up or get out this particular issue has been set for a hearing on September 19 in bankruptcy court. In an update here, Thursday morning, the estate of M.I. Morris filed an objection, objection in bankruptcy court saying Rager Dykes owes $6,500 per month on a property in Plainview. My is right, mother... So, that uh, being some Rager Dykes news. Hey, you know, I was thinking today that I... <laughs> so, as I've begun, and I don't know what I'm going to do with these, uh, plenty of audio, and I appreciate the fact that people are trying to hack my accounts. Thank you very much. Um to access what i have um i'm just a sim i'm just a boy from abernathy it's it's actually kind of flattering but uh here's the deal on all this is i've thought about it and i've read these accounts and if you have more just send them to me j at other side of texas.com i vet this stuff i've i've had to actually hire researchers out on the program between Ragergate and uh well, between Rager Gate and Regent Gate, <laughs> I've had to hire some people out to just look into things that I don't want to look into, but I need to look into. So I just kind of keep them on retainer. And I say, hey, uh, got this. Can you check out this dude? He says that he was with a particular entity at a certain amount of time. Uh, look into that. Let me know if you think that they're legit. 
and then we pursue the conversation from there um but i will say this that the more accounts i read and the more audio i hear this is the analogy in my head so back in the 90s or whenever it was when janet reno drove the tanks up let's say that janet reno did not blow up the davidian the branch davidian compound but instead you got a brandon darby or you got somebody embedded inside okay and that somebody comes out and gives accounts of what they were doing inside and how crazy it was let's say for instance they had like glass molded heads and said pretend like this is a parishioner or maybe a customer maybe a customer in this instance um (laughs) whatever the case might have been and uh let's bash it with a bat okay let's bash it with a bat uh and then these morning meetings all this audio i mean to me it just sounds like it sounds like a saturday night party before you went to calpo it's like the primer party some crazy guy gets up and gives a speech and that's what it sounds like to me and then the whole culture culted around it it sounds like a cult okay that's the point that we didn't have somebody come forward before all this and say look this is what happens every morning on our skype meetings but it just sounds crazy in like i'll give you an example so I don't know if we're going to release this or not, but I'm listening. And so (coughs) allegedly now. Okay. So whenever I say allegedly with the audio that we put out, the initial audio of Bart Rager making claims um, that I think has been widely heard. Uh, What do you got? Yeah, that one. Uh, So look, and I got to get to break because we got to get in with a new segment called um, Which Regent Did It? And get into some Regent Gate. But so apparently, so that audio has already been confirmed to me by people inside in high places in Rager Dykes. Their qualm was not that it wasn't real. Their qualm was that I had uh, misportrayed it. And I said, so when did it happen? And they said, well, it happened before the lawsuit. I said, okay. And I said, so when did it happen? And they said, well, we can't tell you. I said, well, I need a date. Um, Anyhow. But I'm listening to some other stuff, and it's like this audio of, of apparently Rager, allegedly Bart Rager, talking about Richard Branson and how he'd seen a documentary on Richard Branson, and the longer he sat there and watched it, the matter he got, because he didn't have, he didn't have an airline company, Virgin, like Virgin Records and then Virgin Airline Company, and he was mad, and he's, how is that guy so old, and again, again, allegedly, how is that guy so old, and um, he's got George Washington wooden teeth, and I don't have an airline. And the longer I watched it, the matter I got. And then he said, because people know Richard Branson's name. And then he goes through like this list of like Henry Ford. And then Einstein, I think. And then 
uh, Jesus and then Moses and then him and says, you know their name and you know my name. Why don't I know your name? And then he's like running, he like points to this one guy and says, what's your name? And the guy's like, I, and I'm just paraphrasing. He gives out, he like mumbles out his name and says, how do I write your checks and I don't even know your name? And you're just like, whoa. But the craziest part to me is not what he said, but he rattles off. He goes on and on. You could disappear. So many of you are just a burden because you don't make more than $100,000 a month. You're a burden on your families in this world. And there might be people who are glad that you're gone. And then he like quips some joke about like teething on mom. I know that there are kids listening, but teething on mom is the way I'll phrase it. And then these people, how many of our people are on the call all start laughing? And I'm thinking, man, this really is. This is some Branch Davidian boost dudes right here. Just craziness. Um, that's uh, really something. Uh, and then it's like, you know, why did you do that so long? And I, I don't know. Because mind is right, mother... Okay, so uh, that is some Rager Dykes. Pay your rent. Uh, what do you got? Uh, well... I guess not rent money. So for those of you who have felt like I've left you in disregard, I just wanted to leave you with some some Rager Dykes uh, news and then give you a little uh, Rager Gate update here on the program. Hey, going to cut out to break. Uh, we're going to play a game of which region did it. 806-745-5800 if you want to participate it's coming up in about two minutes from now which regent did it stick right with us some good look you gotta have some levity these are very serious times that we're in but you gotta have some levity to it and so that's what we're gonna do stick right with us here on the other side of texas Jay West Texas Leeson here. I'm going to tell you about my friends at Flint Boot and Hat. They've been building hats since 1994 and repairing boots, I guess, since forever. My dog chewed up my ostrich boots. Jared and his guys replaced the heel, made them look new again, put new pulls on, and at a super affordable price, they've resold my boots and they build great hats. Love these guys. Go check them out. 3035. 34th Street or Flint Boot and Hat Shop at Flint and 34th Street. See more at... When you're best friends with the founder of the Lubbock County Militia, you get your own radio show. It's the other side of Texas with Jay Leeson. One night in Kansas City after we played the show Shots rang out Hey, we close out today with Lubbock File Room bringing you this final segment. Things are going to get hot. We appreciate them being sponsors here on the program. Go see them. Lubbock File Room providing safe and secure. Look, with all these guys, all these advertisements I do, I do business with these guys and I trust them and I like them and it's not, I just didn't pull them out of thin air. Now, 
the big fish for me is Allsup's. Like, that's who I want. Because I grew up on Allsup's. I love Allsup's. And they need to get with the program here. They need to see what the podcast's doing. And they need to get on board, Allsup's. You guys, I know you're in New Mexico, but you can hear us in eastern New Mexico from the studios where Buddy Holly became famous. But I'm telling you what, Lubbock File Room provides safe and secure document storage and shredding services to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992. That's a year after the Abernathy Antelopes and the Lady Lopes won the state basketball tournament. One of the few times it's been done in the same year, the boys and girls. But that's how, that's back in 82. That's some, that's some Uncle Rico stuff. But they, Lubbock Follow Room's been doing it and doing it right since 1992. For a free and hassle-free estimate, call 806-744-7666. That's 744-7666. Or, you know, just remember the website, LubbockFileRoom.com. I will say that tomorrow on the show, we are going to play, just to transition out of Gate. we are going to play a game of what do you got and i'm so proud of our ditty for that and i just want to play it for you here before we get into which regent did it switch from one scandal to the other this this is some good stuff right here what do you got another danger right here on 19th street where do you live other Coming up tomorrow, a game of what do you got with our friend, comedian John Sims. John Sims and I going toe-to-toe in a game of what do you got. But but for right now, in celebration of the big piece that's about to go on OtherSideOfTexas.com, we're going to blow it to high heaven. You just wait. Uh, if you don't see it later tonight, you'll see it in the morning we're going to break it down. PR firms are getting ready for these five regents, for Secretary Perry, uh, maybe the governor, and I doubt John Sharp because he has been I've, he has been so smart in this, and I would not expect otherwise from John Sharp, but essentially all fingers point back to him. You just can't point back to him because he's John Sharp. He, he makes it rain, and everybody just, uh, what, what is it? Uh, like in um, Kaiser Sose, the usual suspects. Uh, the great, the greatest lie the, the world ever believed. What is it, that the devil doesn't exist? How's it go? Uh, something like that. And uh, the greatest lie in Texas politics right now is that John Sharp doesn't really exist. He does exist in a big way. But with that said, which regent did it? 806-745-5800. First person to chime in gets a $25 gift certificate to Flint Boot and Hat Shop. That's right. Flint Boot and Hat Shop, $25 gift certificate. Let's play a game of which regent did it. Okay. There is a regent who has claimed 
to know better about budgets than a former Senate, uh, Texas Senate chair. This particular regent has, speaking of numbers and disclosing numbers and being above board, again, 806-745-5800, this particular regent has five companies with which he is he's a part and none of those companies are reported on his personal finance statements none of them on his personal finance statements five of them in total and then on top of that one property purchased out of no no you're wrong you're wrong Tina the one of these properties purchased through one of these non-disclosed entities changed hands four times within one year before the Central Appraisal District, the bank, and everybody was happy. It took from February to December for it to finally settle hands. He knows more about budgets than Chancellor, outgoing Chancellor Bob Duncan. Which region did it? Any answers? Nope. John, you're wrong. I'll give it 10 seconds here. Um, no. No. No, that's the dude in Midland. No. Trevor! Trevor! With Rick Francis, Trevor, J at OthersideOfTexas.com. Come get your Flint boot and hat shop money. You got it, buddy. That's right. The chairman himself, the big banker, knows so much about uh, the numbers that he knows when to hold them and when to fold them, or at least not when to disclose them. Rick Francis, ladies and gentlemen. Rick Francis is the CEO of West Star Title LLC. It was incorporated in March 24, 2009. This should have been disclosed if he owns any interest in the privately held company. And he did not. Again, Rick Francis, who's been on the board since 2003. Hashtag term limits. is a president and secretary, and secretary and only listed director of Prime Capital Management. Made lots of political donations. Listing Prime Capital Management. It was incorporated in 2000. And this should have been disclosed. And... Rick Francis is the listed owner of Raider, Red Raider Capital, LLC. It was incorporated in 2008. This should have been disclosed. Rick Francis has been listed as PCM Capital Investments, LLC. Rick Francis serves as a registered agent. It was independently incorporated company that is 100% owned by... Francis Holdings 1, LLC, not disclosed. And again, Rick Francis, the brainiac, the Texas legend of all budgetary numbers, the chairman of the Texas Tech Board of Regents who knows a damn sight better than anybody who ever lived, especially Bob Duncan, did not disclose that his wife, Ginger Francis, he didn't disclose her holdings on his 
personal financial statements. As a result, he did not disclose her incorporated business. Rick Francis, ladies and gentlemen, a real stalwart of transparency. And this is the point I'm going to make to you in this piece, and this is where we're going to cut off, is that you guys, if you're going to make the case that you've made, then you better dot your I's and cross your T's. And I don't think you have, and you're going to get called out on it, and there are going to be a lot of questions, not just about your own records, but about your collusion with one another. You five, you hear? It's going to come out. You can't handle the truth. And you are not going to like it, and that's fine by me. A great wrong has been done, and we're going to help make it right. I appreciate so many people who listen to this program regularly. Text on my private phone throughout this program, especially this part. I'm glad I turned off my sound on the phone so it didn't alert you as to how much activity is getting. Uh, this stuff, guys, I'm telling you right now, this cannot, good people must at this time stand up because if we put this away, it's going to fester and fester. People need to come out into the daylight out here in Raiderland sunlight is the best anesthetic so trevor congratulations it was rick francis your your self-promoted budgetary guru who knows when and when not apparently to disclose what his holdings are and if i'm these regents and i read i'll just say this to close off whenever i go through these five and i list out there by public records i'm not going after like mips i'm not i'm not being dirty they are issues that are pertinent to the case and then i put together a case for you as to why the five banded together in the end in the ouster of bob duncan and i tell you what for these other guys i feel bad because you know like a huckabee and even a steinmetz at least they disclosed something. Now, Steinmetz told a fib on documentation to get in the Board of Regents. Said he went to the Texas Tech School of Banking, which is like a two-week course, but he makes it sound like it's a master's course that he took. But Rick Francis, he's going to be the one, and this is my prediction, Francis is going to be put out as a sacrificial lamb. And I'm, no, no, no. We got more questions to answer than just Rick Francis. But that's just my view up here on the Cap Rock, High Plains of Texas, on the other side of Texas. Getting that a little bit more tomorrow. We'll have Justin Nelson on the program and get into a game of what do you got and then some of your emails. Go into an email bag tomorrow. I appreciate you listening for Ross Ramsey and for all my ranting. I'm signing off. Jay West Texas Leeson gonna go home. Gotta get home. Great family. Above average. Gotta decide if we're gonna put the boys in flag football this year. That's the big Leeson meeting tonight. Hey, uh, appreciate you passing along the program up there on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Check it out. Thanks for hanging out. Tell friends you hang out on the other side of the